Hey folks, welcome to the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. I am your host, James Jenkins. Welcome to episode 59 of AFP. My guest for this episode is Mr. Michael Zal, Zal like pal, as he says. Michael is the founder and CEO of Yellowbird, which is a terribly interesting company that's doing some very cool stuff in the environmental uh, and health and safety world, or EHS as it's commonly referred to. Michael and I get all the way into a pretty niche conversation that I would expect most of you may not be terribly familiar with. I know I wasn't uh, before uh, David Carruthers introduced uh, me to Michael several months ago. Uh, He is doing some very cool things uh, that could be very useful, uh, very applicable to uh, what you are doing in your agency. Think of it as kind of like uh, a fiver for uh, professional services in the EHS world. So uh, we're going to jump right into the content here in episode 59. Before we do, I will invite you to join us in the Agency Freedom Facebook group. We have a live shop talk call every Wednesday at 11 central. And these calls are, are lively. They are interesting. They're engaging, but they're not very well attended. It would be a lot more interesting with more people involved. I see a lot of people watching the recording and catching up on stuff after the fact, but the live calls are not uh, what they are capable of being if you show up. So consider this your personal invitation to join us first in the Agency Freedom group on Facebook, and secondly, join us as a live participant in the Shop Talk call every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central. Hope to see you there. Let's go ahead and hit the bumper and then get to our interview with Michael Zell, founder and CEO of Yellow Bird. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry, those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're gonna have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. What's up, Freedom Jumpers? It's time for another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. And my guest for this episode, you're in for a treat. I know I say that a lot, but you're in for lots of treats because a lot of our guests are fantastic. I'm always going for cool people doing cool things. And Michael Zal, CEO of Yellow Bird, definitely fits into that category. Michael, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, 
I got to be honest, Freedom Jumpers, uh, Michael and I were just sitting here chit-chatting about, you know, all the things, just talking chop about our business uh, and his business. And I was like, wait a second, this is good stuff. I need to need to hit record so we're not missing some of these nuggets here. Uh, Mike, you were talking about the cyclical nature of things and kind of finding your way. Yellowbird's been around for about two years now, right? Yep, yep. Uh, coming up on our third uh, third anniversary at the end of July of of incorporating, not of being live. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We all know there's a little bit of a delay there, right? <laughs> yes. So, you, you guys operate in the environmental health and safety space, as well, I'm sure we'll talk about at length uh, here in mm-hmm. this episode. I don't guess there's much of a cyclical nature to that, is there? You know, it's interesting. Um, I first thought that there was going to be. Now, when we launched... There was the first December, which was our very first month. We didn't really know what we were going to expect. Um, we launched uh, December, the end of December of 19. And honestly, you can't really set any expectations on your very first month in business of, of any knowledge. Our second year of 2020, um, it was dead in the third, in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. However, in the fourth quarter of 21 was our best quarter ever. So mm. what it tells me is I don't know anything <laughs> and I, I need more data. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Q4 is game on for us. I don't know what it is uh, about Q4, but the Q1 is always really tough. Uh, even going back to when I was a farmer's agent years ago, uh, Q1 is almost like your your business is coming out of hibernation like all the people are with the cold and dreary weather and, you know, hangover right. from the holiday season and whatnot. But Q4 is just, a, you know, bomb drops everywhere. It's amazing. Yes. It's funny because you mentioned environmental health and safety. You know, all the folks that are on our platform, which I guess we'll get into at some point, but that is such a huge umbrella that I actually have a difficult time making the statement of, the industry in quotes of environmental health and safety. So as an example, if you're doing forklift safety training, um, I imagine that the forklift risk is very, very high in the fourth quarter because of the seasonality of bringing in uh, operators and people in retail to try and distribute all of the various uh, holiday ventures that are going on. But if you look at policy reviews and risk assessments and things like that, um, I imagine that some of that can be pushed off into the beginning of the year, uh, depending upon what your what your slow time is. Uh, so yeah. it really just it depends. It depends. It's, it's such a horrible statement. Is it depends, but it's well, true. <laughs> as we continue to move up market and the size of our average accounts is increasing, which it definitely is quarter by quarter. There's a, a pretty clear trend in that we have to get farther and farther in front of the desired uh, you know, execution time. The sales cycle is getting longer and longer as these accounts get bigger. You know, we're still in, in the weeks for sales cycles. We really haven't moved to months or years yet, but I expect we will at some point. But you know, generally speaking, we're probably four to six weeks from start to finish for most of our commercial accounts at this point. So for the bigger ones, it's you know, two or three months. Now we, we have I think a total of seven accounts that are paying more than two hundred and fifty thousand in premium. Uh, so starting to get some bigger ones. Uh, sure. For those kind of accounts, yeah. If you're not starting 
at least two or three months in advance, you're already way behind the the big boys. Yeah, it's an interesting statement. So with the broker community and and honestly, even the agents and and even self the, the TPAs of the world, you deal with a lot of folks who have this cyclical nature of trying to get ahead of the renewal. And I think one of the benefits that we've been able to offer a lot of our brokers and partners and agents and so forth is the ability to offer value-added services throughout the year as part of a as part of the you know really embedding yourself into the into the client's operation without taking your cycles. I mean, again, uh, brokers at the end of the day, we we want to provide the best service that we can to address the client's needs, but we also want to make sure that we stay in their mind throughout the year and not just when there's a you know when there's an incident that they you know first notification of claim or of loss. But also when you're just, when they're in their downtime and say, I need certain things, you know, I need certain levels of, of service and, or I have a question. It's such an interesting dichotomy because you don't want to be perceived as a salesperson, but most brokers actually operate like a salesperson. And it's just the wrong mentality that we've, that I've found uh, where they, you know, they don't think about their client until it comes up for renewal. And it's such a shame. It's such a shame. Well, it's especially difficult for a smaller operator because they're wearing so many hats. You know, an yeah. early stage agency principal, uh, someone who, you know, if they have staff, maybe a VA, uh, if they have staff in office, it's probably one or two or three. And right. we're the CEO, quote unquote, still doing a whole bunch of regular job <laughs> things because they just don't have the people yet. And yeah. even risk well, we've only in the last 12 months gotten to the point where I'm starting to feel like all of the core necessary job functions are being performed by someone who's not me, which <laughs> is so refreshing, let me tell you. <laughs> yes. Uh, but we, we have it. seven full-time uh, team members now. And uh, believe me, uh, the first of the month when I stroke that payroll, uh, I'm reminded that we have seven full-time <laughs> people now. So, um Anyways, it's a lot of our listeners are still early stage uh, in their career. So being able to do some of these value add services, engaging with Yellowbird, uh, and I'm going to hand you the mic here in just a second and, and sure. uh, you know, give us your backstory and why did you create Yellowbird and then tell us exactly what Yellowbird is because that's something that a lot of the freedom jumpers in our little community here uh, are probably not familiar with. Uh, yeah. You're you're on a podcast where the the average tenure, the average size of the agent, uh, is uh, perhaps smaller than some of uh, what you might be used to with Carruthers and the killing commercial crowd. Uh, it's sure. a different tenure and whatnot. Not to Good. insult my listeners in any way at all. No, I'm, no, no. I'm I'm one of them. I'm still, uh, you know, we'll finish the year at 1.2 million in revenue, give or take, uh, but we're still very much climbing the hill. So. I Absolutely. guess I shouldn't be surprised that the people on this uh, on this listener list are you know climbing the hill themselves, and unfortunately that means probably not too familiar with engaging with an environmental and health safety type of consultants, which is exactly what you guys do day in and day out. So um, why don't we just start with that? Uh, sure. Go ahead and give us your backstory and where you came from prior to Yellowbird, and uh, what caused yeah. you to think. Hey, you know what? I'm going to launch a brand new company, uh, and then you know, <laughs> tell us about uh, what Yellowbird is and what it does. 
So you want me to rehash how I almost got divorced four times. Um, I am married to the same lady for uh, 22 years, and she has the patience of Job. Mm. And she is by far my better half, and I will always be appreciative of Jen for tolerating this entrepreneurial journey that I have taken in my life. Um, so I guess I'll start there. So I've been married to Jennifer for 22 years, um, and we have uh, two kids, a 17-year-old and coming going to be a senior and a 13 year old and they are the reason that I do this every day and um and I know a lot of folks uh say that but I can honestly tell you that um they are my light and so that for me is that's my why um and everybody asks what's their why I don't really care about money that much and it's easy to say that if you have it um but the answer really is I care about making sure that my family has the opportunities that they want and need and the money is a is a byproduct of that so I am an entrepreneur at heart um, from the time I was 13 years old, making tie-dye shirts, uh, selling them to my friends, to uh, starting in the computer industry when I was 16, uh, got into the internet business back in 1995. You'll probably be able to reverse engineer that I have earned the gray hair in my beard. Um, yeah. I'm, 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 older than, uh, I'm, I'm older than your average uh, tech entrepreneur. But I love it. Um, my recent background, the last 15, 18 years of my life, has actually been in satellite communications. And all of your listeners are going to go, what the heck does satellite communications and commercial insurance have to do with each other? Yep. Well, the honest That's answer me. is, is yeah, yes. as, I'm raising as my hand right now. <laughs> as, it, uh, as you should be, because that makes no sense. Until you start looking at what we actually served. So we were serving what I like to call high consequence industries. So in your world, it's specialty. So construction, mining, oil and gas, uh, higher premium industries, areas of higher risk, uh, where you had a unique uh, risk factors, whether it be mobile, where you're moving around, um, like you're building a highway or you're building a, a pipeline, or you're in the middle of nowhere where you're drilling for oil or you're mining for coal or whatever it is that you happen to be working on. Those risk factors are very different than generalized industry um, insurance. Yeah, for sure. And in the satellite industry, the sales pitch to be very, you know, to be a little crass, what do you do if somebody gets hurt? That's the question that you ask. How do you call 911? And you don't want to sell on fear, but you want to be able to sell on preparation. And they go, oh, well, you know, there's, there's, you know, I have a cell phone and uh, I've seen the AT&T map. There's coverage everywhere. And then they get up to site and they look at their cell phone and it says no bars. And they realize that those maps are really designed around major highways and major population areas. And so in that industry for, you know, a couple of decades, basically, I was supplying my primary sales pitch was how can we help you communicate if something bad happens? And based on that, we would get into their other operational needs, whether it be, you know, the drill head speed of a of a drill of a drill bit on an oil um, you know rig, or whether it be uh, progress reports from your from your contractors. So when we did eventually sell that business, and I was looking for something else that I wanted to do, I love 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 the human aspect of what I do. You can tell I'm I'm a people person. I started by talking about my kids and my family. Um, yep. I'm a I'm a heart guy at the at the end of the day. I care about people. I care about people's story, and so I got to know folks pretty deeply just personally. 
And the biggest problem that everybody has is the, the it's kind of a cliche around here. Do I have the right people with the right knowledge in the right locations? And that is the problem in today's economy is I may have the right resources, but are they in the right location? And if they are the right resources in the right location, do they have the particular knowledge that they need to serve this requirement? And I always use the example of forklift training. You know, forklift training is one of those things that you need to be doing on a pretty consistent basis, but nobody's going to W2 a forklift trainer to be on their staff. It's very, very rare. But you need to make sure everybody has their forklift credential and that they're being trained so that they don't injure somebody and that yeah. you don't get that dreaded call. So I started Yellowbird basically in the back of an Uber because the concept of skill set on demand was very interesting to me. But the concept of a commoditization of human beings was not interesting to me. I do not like the the model of a driver's license and a pulse will get you an Uber uh, account. I, I like the idea of, are you a subject matter expert? Are you really great at what you do? Um, are you retiring? Are you looking for extra income? Are you interested in being available for somebody who needs it? And then helping people monetize that um, on demand. So maybe that forklift training, you know, maybe it's 2,500 bucks, but you only need it four times a year. Well, that's a $10,000 investment rather than a $75,000 person to be on W-2. So that's the kind of example that I would give as as what started me down this journey of chaos and craziness of startups. <laughs> so can I parrot this back to you and you tell me if this is uh, a fair assessment of a, you know, a synthesized version of what Yellowbird does? You, know, you partner with third parties, in this case, retail commercial insurance agents or MGAs or third-party administrators for claims or whatever, whoever's mm -hmm. buying the service, then the retail agent has Yellowbird on deck basically and is able to leverage those relationships of your skilled uh, subcontractors basically for forklift training for, for what you said there. Or uh, maybe it is a safety program uh, of a, a job site or some other I'm trying to think on the fly here of, of an example, but insert uh, use case here where someone's coming out doing some sort of value add service on behalf of the retail agent for the client, um, probably billing the client directly. The retail agent is nothing more than a, a facilitator and, you know, quarterbacking the, the connection. Uh, is that, is that a fair assessment of what Yellowbird does? You guys are basically a, a network of available skilled subcontractors in the AHS world? Yeah. So from a, you, you nailed it. So the quick and dirty answer to this is we go through all the heavy lifting on the subject matter experts in advance. So we have them in our pool, our arsenal, our technology does the matching. So if a retail um, agent or broker or relationship manager gets a phone call from a client, I always ask the same question. Um, somebody doesn't know what to do. Your client doesn't know what to do. So they call you and ask you, hey, I haven't had my OSHA policy updated since 2014. Um, can you help me do that? The honest to goodness answer is in most circumstances, I don't have a resource for that. Um, but you want to be helpful. So you're like, well, let me get on Google and see if I can find somebody or let me call some friends or something, which is taking you away from 
from your, your main course of action, but you're trying to be helpful. Hopefully, with a relationship with Yellowbird, you say, you know what, there's an organization called Yellowbird and we have a relationship with them and they get it and you'll get a discount. Go in and use my promo code and we'll give you a discount. And they have people that can do document review for you. Hmm. That's an that's a use case um, for us. I always say if it makes sense for you to be in the line of um, transaction. So as an example, if it's a $250,000 premium account for you, maybe you hire Yellowbird and we go out and you just take care of it for that client. Maybe that makes sense. Yep. If it's a $250 account for you, maybe you say, hey, I'd love to help you. You know what? Go to Yellowbird and they have a really good group and here's a discount code for you. And you, you've helped the client, you've given them value and they, you continue to be that resource. So that it, it doesn't always go, we would work directly with the client. Sometimes we work with, with the agent or the broker or the person managing the relationship. And they say, look, I w- I'll cover that for you. No problem. I want to, I want to reinvest in my, in my relationship. So it really just depends. Hmm. And the beautiful thing is my wheels are turning just full speed on that because the larger, more sophisticated accounts you're going to be competing against very large, well-established brokers, national account teams, and and you yes. know super regionals. For us here in the in we're in the DFW area in Texas, uh, a mm-hmm. good example of somebody beyond the alphabet shops because I mean everybody who operates in commercial uh, knows uh, you know the the big nationals. You know sure. you're locked in an Aon Marsh, you know, Gallagher, right. et cetera, et cetera. The usual suspects for everything. But there's just as many, if not more, super regionals, like for us here in Texas, Higginbotham uh, is one that comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. They have, I think, 12 offices, something like 2,000 employees or whatever. But those those operators wield a lot of resources that a small, privately held you know, retail agency just can't compete with at scale. There, it's no way. I would get smoked if I go head to head and try to play a uh, you know a fair game uh, with Brown and Brown. Let's say, right? I don't have a chance. They're they're going uh, to come in and swing the big bat, and I'm going to have to leverage the personal attention and say, "Oh, well, you're a small account for them. You're dealing with a junior uh, account executive or a, a rookie producer with them. You probably have three producers in five years because they either you know get promoted or get fired, one or the other." And, you know, for risk, well, you're a big account and you're working with me directly and see all these letters after my name, dot, dot, dot. Right. That's really the only play because right now I'm not currently using Yellowbird. And I personally have some resources at my disposal because of my knowledge base, but I'm not the one actually executing it. I'm not going to their job site and performing a, mm-hmm. an OSHA compliance review, for instance. Right. So, Yellowbird is very interesting because... Mm-hmm. It can help a small agency act big. Yes. Yes. And here's the piece that, you know, I know the folks in the big ABC firms as well. And here's what they've started to do, where they're not giving these free services anymore. They're actually billing for these services. They're making them into profit centers for them. Yep. And so everybody goes, well, they're so large and they have all these resources. And that's true. But in most circumstances, they're going to bill for it. And if they're going to bill for it, well, you could bill for it yep. and say, say, you know what? We have a, we have a network of, of safety professionals and 
risk managers and folks that could come out and help you. And this would be an area that you would perhaps um, be the customer of Yellowbird and you would mark it up and, and offer it to your client if you wanted to do it for a smaller client or you would just do the referral and that's fine too. I always say there's 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 a line of value and as long as we stay within the line of value, then everybody wins. So in the startup world, um, I have friends in the real estate industry and they have software that goes with real estate. And they're like, oh, I could help you manage um, all the various warranties inside of your house. And they think that they're going to sell it through a real estate agent. And I said, you know, real estate agents have a very linear process. They sign the contract um, for to represent the house. They find a qualified buyer. They make sure that they get into escrow. They make sure that they get out of escrow and they make their commission. If you are making any of that more efficient, you're going to be just fine. They do not want to sell a value-added left turn on the highway managing your warranty uh, stuff unless it's right. Now, warranty as in, it might be a bad example because that's actually how warranties for homes do, do get sold. But that's really a, that's still in the same line of process. Yeah. But if it's, a, if it's a different type of warranty, like for pieces of equipment inside the house or something to that effect. All of that said, it still plays that way with the, in the insurance game as well. Am I adding value here? And for me, I think that's the beautiful part. I think we can enable you to provide value to your client without distracting you and taking your most valuable resource away, which is time. Um, you could do it, James, there's no doubt. The question is, is uh, how much time does it take? And if you only have a finite amount of time in your, in your day, do you want to be doing you know, document reviews? Probably not. Now, I, I was curious because I'm sitting here trying to find good use cases and it occurs to me, hey, dummy, you're sitting at your computer right now. Why don't you just go to goyellowbird.com and go to the services tab and click all services and look at the menu and see what all is there. <laughs> there's, there's literally, because my hard part in, in this conversation, and I imagine most of our listeners are probably in a similar headspace of going, Okay, yeah, that sounds really cool. I like the idea. I get it conceptually. It helps to have another party able to deliver useful value-add services to the client. What the heck do I do with this? Like, what are the, what are the, the what's the menu of available toys that I might want to play with? Okay, well, listener, hit up goyellowbird.com and click the little button there at the top that says services. And then you'll see where it says all services and you've got other things you can do, EHS consulting, training, assessment, environmental, policy development, et cetera. But I just went to all services because I just want to see the menu. It's like, sure. what is the full scope of things that Yellowbird can help my agency and my clients with? And oh my, there is a <laughs> lot. Yeah. This, there is. this it, is very, very interesting. Thank you. You know, it's, a, it's funny because... One of the downsides to what I do is there's so much of what we do. You know, I, I, I often laugh because you talk to a client and they say, hey, you know, we're covered. We have a safety guy. And I'm like, okay, if you do exactly what you just did on the types of services, that doesn't actually even cover three quarters of what we can do um, because everybody has their individual secret sauce, right? If yep. you grew up, if you grew up in the oil field, 
and you understand rig safety, you are not the same person to go out to a clean room at an Intel data center, right? I mean, it's just a very different. You actually may have the same degree and you may have the same certifications, but you're a very different person than the person that's going to be doing an oil site or that's going to do retail, go in yeah. and look at slip, slip, trip and fall hazards or um, a lockout tag out program for a manufacturer because, you know, that's the number one thing in manufacturers. People get caught up in machinery because they're not locked out ap- appropriately when they're under maintenance. So all of these various things, as you go, you realize, you know, it's not a one size fits all industry. And, you know, the depth the depth of if it has to do with environmental health and safety, um, knowing that we have a, a, a massive roster, I mean, we have thousands of people on the platform now, which is great. Hey, Freedom Jumper, are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS, a nationwide brokerage solutions. They understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. That's really cool, man. It, it, it is so easy to wrap my head around that it, because it's very similar in the insurance world, like specialization. Uh, perfect yeah. example. If we're talking about contractors or construction or a real estate investor uh, or uh, you know something in the commercial property world or healthcare, you know, cyber liability, data breach, yeah. management liability, you know, somewhere in the the white collar uh, side of insurance, I feel really, really, really comfortable with that. If you put me, even though I have a whole bunch of of you know advanced training and certifications and what what I like to call the trifecta of insurance designations in the PNC world, I've got CPCU, I've got CIC, I've got CRM mm-hmm. sitting after my name. None of that means a dadgum thing if you put me in front of an aviation risk or oil and, <laughs> yeah. oil and gas or some ultra high net worth individual with a, a, a yacht that needs help right. with their watercraft uh, or yeah. you know international exposure or kidnap and ransom. You know, something yep. in the executive personal line side of insurance. We, we just don't do that at my office yet. At some point, we'll probably be working with, you know, ultra high net worth people that because they're business owners and we handle their stuff on the commercial side. So, we'll just cross over to the personal executive risk. But as an example, like I'm really, really well credentialed. That does not mean that I'm the right fit to talk to that person over there that has risks, uh, that has needs that I'm just not familiar with experientially. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. The other day I was on the line with a, uh, a gentleman who does document assessments and document reviews and very experienced, has been doing document review uh, work for safety programs. And he was referring to his company as we and us in every context. 
you know, we do this and we do that and everything else. And when push came to shove, I said, so how many people do you have on your team? And he stopped for a second and he said, well, I've been doing this for so long. I have resources that I can get to do this type of work whenever I need. And I said, so pretty much it's you right now. And he goes, well, yeah, but I know, I know where to go to get these folks. And that being true, and I'm absolutely confident in that. But does he know about the insurance that they carry? Does he know about their actual background? Has he done a background check on them? Yeah. And one of the things that I find in this industry is we start relying on third parties to then outsource on our behalf. And you get two and three degrees removed. And yeah. it's, it's your reputation. It's, you're, the, you're the person who went and, and said you should work with Joe Blow because he's my safety resource. And, and honestly, an airborne particulate or a bloodborne pathogen, uh, industrial hygienist, we have industrial hygienists all over our platform. But if you called our, an average safety person, they wouldn't have a clue what to do with that. So it's, it's, it's one of the things that I've been really uh, working hard at trying to, trying to get mm. to the bottom of is, is how do you take all those things that are not just the, I know a guy. Um, and I think we all have pretty much tried to run our lives that way for, for too long of, oh yeah, you know, it's like, we're not an auto shop. You know, an yeah. auto shop, an auto shop is, if you can work on one vehicle, it's very likely you can work on any vehicle. Risk and safety isn't like that. In the moment you say that, I, and I know that was just an example, uh, but I'm yeah. going to pick on the example for a second. If it's sure. a Ford, Chevy, Honda, whatever, yeah, auto is auto. You know, you got these sure. generalist auto body shops uh, that can, gen you know, for more or less do just fine with any maker model. Mm -hmm. But if you bring them a Bentley that has yes. very <laughs> specific needs, you don't want to go to a generalist. If you're driving a, a Ferrari uh, 458 Italia, then you know exactly what you need to do and you're going to take it to a Ferrari mechanic. If not a dealership, then a, a private mechanic that only works on Italian exotics. Are yeah. you sure you're a small broker? Because uh, that was a very specific example. <laughs> uh, I may not be wealthy yet. Uh, but I do appreciate the the beauty of some of the finer things. I love um, it. I, love I, it. <laughs> I, I don't have the luxury of being a car guy yet, uh, but I could very easily be a car guy. If, if you let me, if you handed me $10 million and said, you have to spend this on automobiles, you, ha you have to spend it on yourself and you have to spend it on automobiles. I mean, I, I wouldn't can, have any I problem can, at all spending $10 million in about 30 minutes. Yep. Yeah, I could too. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's funny. Uh, you know, I was one of those kids that had the Ferrari poster uh, on, on my wall uh, when, I, when I was growing up next to the, yep. you know, 1996 Chicago Bulls uh, roster poster, <laughs> the, the team that went, uh, you know, 70 and 12 and won the title that year. Like, you know what? I know exactly where you were uh, in, in that evolution. Now, let me ask you this. Which Ferrari was it? Because I had the Testarossa on my wall. Mm. And you're younger than I am, so I need to know which uh, which Ferrari was on your wall. You recall? You know, I it I think it was the 458 Italia. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was the one. Yeah. Uh, because yep. the I mean, obviously the 
for people your age, the the F40, like that classic candy oh, apple yeah. red F40, oh, yeah. you know, oh, late yeah. 80s, early 90s. Yep. I mean, it doesn't get any more classic Ferrari than that. Absolutely. Uh, Unless you and I were both in our 70s, and then we'd be like, no, oh, son, the, the 1950s and 60s were classic Ferrari. <laughs> you know, we, uh, my wife and I got into uh, watching F1 uh, because of the mm-hmm. Netflix series, uh, Drive to Survive. Yep. And then I started getting into like actual F1, like watching the races, like uh, you know, recording them on ESPN2 and, and, and watching them. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, this is the, it's like a gateway drug. It's it like is. it's like it marijuana going into cocaine and heroin. It's like be careful, yeah. if mm-hmm. you know if you start doing you know just a little bit of this, it leads to something. You know you're you're going down the rabbit hole, and the next thing you know, I, I'm looking at the pro shop on the F1 website, going, "What's jersey am I going to buy? Who's <laughs> my driver? I got If I'm going to be an F1 fan, I've got to pick a driver. You know, you, do. you, you do. every yes. every legit F1 fan has. Their driver. And then, well, of then, course, I will, then I will caution you. I will caution yeah. you because my father did this and I have not done this myself. But if you ever become part of an owner's club, uh, never do a track day. Because if you go out like with a Porsche owner's club or Ferrari owner's club mm-hmm. and you start doing track days, before you know it, you then want to get a track car. And then yeah. before you know it, you, uh, you have to sell a kidney and um, your kids don't go to college. And uh, you're spending every dollar you have and every weekend you have on hmm. both your ex-wife that you now have because she left you because of the Ferrari. And yeah. no, I'm not telling an actual story. That's not my father's story. But no. I'm, uh, <laughs> but yeah, these track days are absolutely the gateway drug. So you know what? Take your jersey. It's okay. You can spend a, l- a couple extra dollars on a jersey. It's much cheaper than you buying know, a car. I, I was in a networking <laughs> group. Uh, down in Addison, it's a suburb near here, and there's a lot yep. of new money uh, mm-hmm. in Addison. Um, mm-hmm. And one of these people was was older. Uh, old, he's probably, I don't know, 12, 13 years older than me. But he's a very successful financial advisor. Uh, had mm-hmm. a had a, a practice. He was one of the franchisees with LPL, and he was he was one of those Porsche guys, and he had mm-hmm. a 911 GT3. And mm-hmm. he had it tracked out and it, yep. it was, that was his thing. Like on yep. Saturday, he's at the track and he's, yep. he is time trialing his GT3. And he, he sent me several referrals and they were very nice referrals. I enjoyed having those people for clients. Um, this was back when I was a farmer's agent and honest to God had no business having those people for clients. Looking back on it now, I was like, I am so glad you never had a claim because I would have been <laughs> so screwed. <laughs> Man, but just learning about Haggerty uh, and learning about the Haggerty mm-hmm. private client side of things, it's like that's an entirely different world on the insurance game. It's so technically it's personal lines, but it's so niched down in personal lines that you really need to understand exactly what that client is doing, what they're into, how they're using it, how often are they using it. Are you driving your track car down the street to get groceries or is it sitting on a trailer or sitting in a warehouse? Like what's going on here? So, so I know we, we got, we no, chased well, actually, a nice gonna, rabbit I'm, here. No, no, no. I'm actually going to bring it full circle. So interestingly enough, the number one use case that we have in insurance for Yellowbird is the hard to insure. So folks who have unique business um, risk profiles, they have higher requirements. They'll have their carriers and or 
um, various representation say, we need you to update this documentation and we need you to send us pictures of, of this warehouse because three years ago you had somebody who claimed that you had barrels on the ground with chemicals. And so you need to prove that you have uh, spill control um, or stormwater runoff. So it goes in the Haggerty example of how are you using the, uh, how are you using the uh, insurance and more importantly, how are you using the vehicle that you're being insured? That actually plays in here in our world um, where somebody is, has a great client and honestly, the client already knows they're going to be a higher insurance risk because they've had a claim or two or an incident of sorts. We can actually help mitigate risk by helping them be prepared for shopping the policy. Well, and then that is so useful for the retail agent because now you have put money in their pocket because you have allowed them to write an account that they probably would not have been able to write otherwise. And that insured at that point, they are eating out of your hand like a chickadee and birdseed because they don't have any other options. And in those conversations, the price is almost irrelevant. It's not completely irrelevant, but it's pretty close to irrelevant. It's all about the result at that point. Can I get insured? Will it not break the bank? Can you deliver the solution that allows me to be compliant with this really big contract I just signed? Because I mean, in that or, situation, uh, or on the other side, here's the other piece that's very, very interesting. James is when you have somebody who puts in a claim, and you've processed their claim for them, and you've worked with them. The next question you should be asking is, okay, now what does this look like for the renewal next year? Okay, so they had a claim because somebody got injured on a forklift. I use forklifts because it's just an every person thing. Everybody I mean, gets it. <laughs> everybody yeah. gets it, right? But if you put in a claim because somebody ran over somebody's foot on a, on a forklift, um, yeah, first of all, really bad, not a good deal. Yeah. Secondly, are you going to, I'm going to have to re I'm going to have to resign this person next year. And what do I do between now and then to help them be prepared? Well, let's put together monthly forklift training or quarterly forklift training for them. And let's document it and let's have that in their file ready for, yes, we had a claim and here's what we've done. Because what ends up happening is you file the claim, you say, okay, this is all set. Can I help you with anything else? They go, no, we're all set. Thank you for processing the claim. And then six months later, they go to renew and say, oh, that claim really messed us up. It's like, well, you had six months of work that could have been done that would have prepared them for the renewal process. This is what we've done since this incident occurred. And from my perspective, it's the time to have the most impact. Yeah. And that's the time to demonstrate credibility and expertise because there's nothing worse than having that conversation with the underwriter and your pants are around your ankles Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you're completely unprepared. Right. It's like, oh, well, well, it's not going to happen again. Really? Right. What have you done to make sure it's not going to happen again? What sort of uh, of loss controls have been put in place? You know, what right. sort of safety parameters? Uh, you know, updated training manuals, updated policies and procedures. What sort of oversight is now present that wasn't there before? How exactly. can you make sure that won't happen again? 
Oh, and if you can't, well, then they're going to get dinged hard on the renewal for this market, for the incumbent market, and every other market. Right. You make it, man. I, I'm sitting here listening to you going, no, that's definitely a big use case. Man, yeah. I wasn't even really considering that. Because we, we have the loss control conversation. We have the, okay, let's remediate this thing. Let's, you know, put something and figure out exactly what happened. And is it just mm-hmm. a freak accident that there's nothing you can do? It's a one in a million thing. Right. Or is there ways that we can impact this and make it look better on paper so the underwriter doesn't go, holy crap, $300,000 shock loss. Well, what if it's not a shock loss? What if it's an oops loss or a negligence shock loss? Those are a lot more damaging and hard to overcome. So the, so the, the terminology that I try to educate people on, and even internally when we're writing blogs and when we're you know, marketing and when we're communicating, is there's a big difference between an accident and an incident. Mm-hmm. So, an, so, so an accident happens. There's yes. nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's an accident. And you happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and somebody runs into something and, and it happens. But then there's incidents. And incidents are generally caused by poor training or poor oversight or poor policy. And those are the things that, you know, you're going to get both. But if it's an incident, that was on you. If there's an accident, well, stuff happens. And that's not a good excuse. The insured, the insured insurance companies don't like to hear stuff happens. But if you say a bowling ball fell off the back of a truck, rolled down the hill and ran into the side of my car, what preventative measures could you have done? from parking your car there. <laughs> I mean, there's nope. nothing that you could, that is a, that's an accident. That, that's a freak one in a and million. And then you get the underwriter who's going to be like, go. well, you should have deployed bubble wrap and you should have taken measures to make sure that any stray bowling <laughs> balls wouldn't impact your vehicle. So I'm going to have to surcharge your renewal. So, but I mean, that, those kind of underwriters are few and far yeah. between. Oh, man. Yes. yes. Uh, Micah, what, where do you want the co- the conversation to go now? What have we not touched on that you want to? You know, um, well, the, I, I, I always like to talk about the human element of what I do um, because for me, it's what it's all about. And so I truly believe that as – and by the way, uh, I, will, I will throw up if anybody actually uses this uh, term with me, but – the whole trusted advisor, ugh, I am just not a, a nope. everybody and their mother has used it for so long. I, I refuse to use that term. But to be your client's person, mm-hmm. everybody wants to be your client, their client's person. If I have a question about something that I can be helpful, how, how can I be their person and actually be helpful? And to be truly helpful, you need to have resources. And so for me, I look at what I do as the, as the magic bag behind the broker yeah. of if it has to do with anything that's risk related, um, Yellowbird can generally have it solved within 24 to 48 hours because I have hundreds of people in thousands of locations 
excuse me, thousands of people in hundreds of locations. <laughs> that would have been really say. hard because I'd have that's... to sp- I'd have to split people in half. Yeah. So you're using point <laughs> so three persons, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, you know. Left no, arm over here, a... right leg over there. That sounds yeah. like a work comp claim, Mike. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> But we uh, we have about 850 what we call match ready people on the platform. Awesome. In all fi- in all 50 states, and so the likelihood of finding the right person local is very very high, particularly in your neck of the woods, James, because Texas is is one of our hotbeds. We have a ton. In Texas. Well, and there's approximately Texas, Cali- Texas and California. You know, Eight million people <laughs> live within an hour of here. So yes, yes, yeah, it's it's so, crazy. Yeah. So for me, it comes back to the people element. I could talk about that all day long, yep. but I, I don't, I don't like, I don't like to not have an answer for my client. And even if the answer is, I don't know, but I do know that this place is a good place to find people and go to goyelber.com and they'll, they'll have somebody that can help you there. Mm. Um, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, just in general, is spreading our spreading our word out there. Well, I mean, just taking it back to basics. I mean, it's is account management, it's relationship management one hundred and one. When you get a question, you don't know for sure what the answer is. For God's sake, do not guess. Don't don't engage in speculation with your client. That's one. It's it's unethical unless you're actively disclosing it to them. And two, it's just really bad for business. It's bad client stewardship. You know, we all have heard from a coach or a mentor or a parent, hey, you know what? There is nothing wrong with telling that person, you know, I'm not sure, but I'm going to find out and I'll come back and deliver the answer to you or introduce you to someone who can. It's, I mean, it's rudimentary at this point. All we're really talking about is, hey, Yellowbird, is that someone that you called when you don't know the answer to an EHS question? Yep. So interestingly enough, I, I had this conversation uh, philosophically with a friend over maybe a cigar and some whiskey, but we won't go there right now. That's um, a rabbit but, hole right uh, there, my friend. It's both cigars <laughs> and whiskey. Yes, sir. Uh, I've been known to have a bad a bad habit or two. Uh, but that being said, we were saying that Google, I think, is the worst thing that could have happened to people who pretend to be experts. Yeah. Because folks will, in real time, type in a Google search term. And whatever's on the first page, they will tell their client as though it's fact. And maybe you get lucky and somebody who actually knew the reality and the facts of the situation posted what you decided to quote. Or maybe you didn't. And I I really do believe that that's one of the most dangerous pieces of the Google machine now. Mm -hmm. And I love Google, by the way. I mean, I, I use it on, I constantly use it. But for me, that's been the most challenging part of this. Um, well, and I think this is something that you and I talked about with our brief, you know, get acquainted call. Uh, and I've said this quite a few times in the last several months. When you look at the three categories of, of professional, it's the one in the middle that's the most dangerous, that is most likely to end up with an oopsie somewhere because you get the new professional someone who's in a new role, new industry, whatever, they know they're green. They know they're a rookie and they're scared to death to make a mistake. So, they're going to ask whoever is their direct report all the questions. They're going to ask hundreds of questions over the span of months because Mm -hmm. they don't want to get it wrong. 
And then you got the other end, like bucket number three is the seasoned veteran who's been around for years and seen lots and lots and lots of stuff and has firsthand experience about just about anything and can answer almost any question out of their own personal anecdotes. That person's probably the least dangerous, obviously. For, to me, it's that second maybe. but Maybe. Maybe. But that person's <laughs> a lot less dangerous than bucket number two, which is the person who's been around right. long enough to start to get some idea about a lot of different things, but is definitely not a true expert in anything. But they no longer have the fear of being the rookie. They, they're starting to think, yes. oh, yeah, I've got this in some areas that they probably don't have a complete understanding and they're going to shoot from the hip a lot more than bucket one will, but they don't know nearly as much as the seasoned veteran does. That's where your your challenge is. And to come right. full circle to what we're talking about, and this is talking to you, Freedom Jumper, I don't do this nearly as much anymore. I used to, I'll be totally honest, I used to shoot from the hip and you know throw it at the wall and see what sticks. I definitely do not do that anymore. If you don't know, know that you know that you know, as my pastor used to say. It was like, when talking about the whole <laughs> salvation thing, if you don't know that you know that you know, then you don't know. It was like, hold on a second. Let's roll that one back. <laughs> no, but the stop guessing. Stop going to Google. If you're going to go to Google, at least be honest enough with the client and tell them, you know what? I'm going to have to research this and I'll get back to you. Google is not research. Uh ERMI, you know, International Risk Management Institute is research. Going to uh, the institutes or the National Alliance or a mentor or an advisor or an ISO manual, looking it up in or, the form, that's research, not or, Google. Or, or Yellowbird. Thank you. <laughs> I was Sorry, I'll, I'll get around to it, Mike. My bad. Here, you're sitting here looking at me, leaning out of your chair going, get, get like, back to it. I'm like... Get I'm back waiting. to it. Oh, oh, there he goes. There he goes. He did it. Yellow bird it is. Oh, man. No. Oh, this is good stuff. Um, so, is there is there any other – are there any other questions that you have for me? Unfortunately, I, I'm i going to have to wrap and I know you okay. are too. Yeah, uh, it's about that time, man. I was uh, at the, hey, well, let's land the plane and wrap this thing up. So, it sounds like uh, we're both at that point. What's the best way for someone to engage? And I guess a question 1A and 1B at this point as we finish, mm -hmm. what is the the retail agent? If they want to engage with Yellowbird, is there a subscription model? Is there a fee to participate in the platform? What does that look like? Yeah, so we have not rolled out our subscription plan yet. And so there is no fee. You can go on to Yellowbird. It's goyellowbird.com and register as a company. And there's no fee for that. And when you put in a job, and it will give you drop downs uh, when you're putting in a job, it's very easy to put in a job. You still don't have a fee until we match. So if you put in, I want to have a document review, and it gives you, it will give you the drop downs and the whole. I'm giving an example, and it will give you an approximate cost of that. When you put that in, you say, okay, go to match. At that point, then if you accept the match, it then becomes uh, a billable uh, deal. So you, you never have any bait and switch or any kind of a surprise. Over time, we are going to roll out a subscription plan that has our resources available for you on a monthly basis that we basically just have an arsenal of people available for you. And that's going to be coming out in the next, uh, the next quarter. Very cool. So for right now, right now, just go to goyellbird.com and register as a company and you'll get all of our documentation or all of our, uh, all of the, uh, information. So what I'm hearing you say is that literally every single 
listener of this podcast that writes commercial insurance and thinks that there might be anything useful that comes from an environmental health and safety uh, partner needs to get their butt over to yellow, goyellowbird.com and register today. And maybe if we're smart, exactly. we'll go ahead and put a, uh, a link in there for Agency Freedom Podcast so you can track exactly how these people came to you if there's a, a cookie or something. Uh, tell you what, yeah, folks, uh, this isn't airing for two or three weeks. Uh, so uh, Michael and I will have some time to figure out some special yeah. thing. I will link uh, in the show notes. So go yellowbird.com. There'll be some link in the show notes, probably slash agency freedom or something like that. So Michael and his team can track where these leads are coming from. Um, I don't know yeah. why I didn't think of that earlier in the episode, but that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, so check the show notes for the link. Uh, and uh, there's no monetization here. I'm not getting a referral fee or anything. I just want to make it easier for Michael to know, you know where these leads came from. Anything well, else you want to talk well, about before we land the that. plane, man? We're, we're bad at the finish line. No. No, we're, uh, this was fantastic. I enjoyed this and, um, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to talk about, uh, Yellowbird and what I'm passionate about. And, um, you're doing a great thing here, James. You really are. I'm, I'm excited, uh, to see you grow over the years. Man, I really appreciate your time and, uh, your kind words. Uh, this has been a fun episode. I, I never really know where these things are going with a guy like you that has such a a broad skill set and lots of different topics that we can break open. So definitely need to have you back at some point. I feel like there's Great. rocks that have not been turned over, quite a few of them. Uh, oh, and that is a wrap for uh, for episode, what is this, 59, I think it is? Episode 59 of the Agency Freedom Podcast is in the books. Drop us a line at podcast uh, at Agency Freedom if there's anything we can help you with. And until next time, catch you later, boys and girls. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go.